Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only podcast more inept than the Cardinal Front Office. Hey, my name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined as always by my co-host Ben Samorka. Low hanging fruit, but you know you gotta you gotta take it. That's uh, you, do you this every to... week and gotta come yeah. out firing. You know. Yep. Uh, and this week on the show, we are going to be talking about the losing streak and the current place in the division. We're going to, of course, talk about the controversy swirling around Wilson Contreras. We're going to take a look at all of the recent roster moves, and we're going to chat about the upcoming series against the Red Sox and the upcoming series against the Brewers. If you have an idea for the opening bit, tweet us at talk about birds. Hambone, it's been quite a week. How you feeling? How Ooh, you we. doing? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've had uh, I've had worse weeks, I guess. Um it's it's been exciting. I will say, you know, when stuff like this happens, um it, uh, doing the podcast again has kind of shifted my focus on this because I'm kind of like yeah. as the Cardinals fan. Um, which I am first and foremost, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. This is absolutely Horrible. insane. I did not sign up for this as somebody yeah. who is recording a podcast every week. <laughs> I think, mm, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me yeah, that, that sweet, sweet content we're craving for oh, controversy, baby. Yeah. Mm. And like a, a, such a pious and a, a controversy-free organization like the St. Louis Cardinals doesn't really give us a lot of this. Um, and yeah. it has been coming in spades this year. Uh, so, you know, the craven part of me is like, like I said, <laughs> bring it on. Ali, say something else stupid. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Get out there and make a fool of yourself. Get thrown out <laughs> of the game. Yeah. That's going to help. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's been an interesting week. Um, we've got high highs and we've got low lows, yeah. uh, horrible series against the Tigers and what we got a bit of a winning streak, hey. three games, uh, yeah. positive regression. Yeah. You know, uh, this is, this is narrative E type, you know, bullshit that doesn't really mean, mean anything, but there is some sense to the fact that the Cardinals going to Wrigley, uh, would, would kind of like hit the reset button a little bit, like. You know, the games are always different. They're always a little more intense. Um, it's a good time to hit the mental reset button, you know, so on and so forth. And it's nice mm -hmm. to see the, the Cardinals playing like a real baseball team all of a sudden. I, I also think like, let's let's not get it twisted. Cardinals were in some really, really bad luck, losing games in ways that didn't make any sense. So like a positive regression to the mean was going to happen uh, because yeah. Even, you know, a lot of fans were, were are calling for the heads of, of certain people in the front office and management. But like the team is not that bad. Like Nolan Arenado is not that bad. And uh, uh, there there is a I, I have a little sense of humor around the fact that it did take like Andrew Kisner getting a couple of hits and Paul Goldschmidt to hit three home runs in three a single home, game yeah. to break it. Yeah. But they broke the losing hey, streak. It's there. They it's did there. it. And they've started yeah. a little winning streak. Got quite the uphill climb to go from here. Yeah, um, I kind of feel like that. Uh, 
you know, I'm not a religious man, Ben, but um, the baseball gods are cruel real. and powerful, yeah. and they are and they are real. And I feel like what we've been going through in the last month and a half is a little bit of repayment for uh, the 17 game win streak in yeah. 2021, uh, which pulled a a mediocre Cardinal team back into the playoff hunt uh, and back into the playoff picture, and also. Um, Albert Pujols turning back into a 25 year old for the last half yep. of last year, you know, cementing the the division win last year. So a lot of a lot of good luck, but you know, came our way in that, and uh, we're on the other side of it. But um, I don't know, maybe maybe our debt has been paid. Uh, promises made, promises kept. Ben, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before we before we really jump in, you dropped a little factoid here in the outline that I want to give it back to you to just to drop because this was maybe the most interesting thing I've seen uh, in a long time. Yeah. Well, you know, we talk about food a lot on this podcast, uh, so I thought it yes. was relevant. And I thought, you know, we're going to bitch and moan for a while on this episode. So let's start with something <laughs> fun. Um, at the same time, I do think, uh, you know, this should be another shot at the front office and at ownership. So, uh, uh, keep that in mind, but a report came out, uh, earlier this week, kind of looking at the average price of certain food items in baseball stadiums, <coughs> pardon me. And I am, well, I am excited to tell you, uh, I guess the first thing is that the, uh, Bush stadium has the 17th most expensive beer prices, uh, which pretty good especially pretty when you good. think about like we're a beer drinking city uh you know we show up and we show out when it comes to our our, our ice cold budweiser and um all that good stuff so I, th- I think that's nice that they're cutting us a little bit of a break i was shocked to learn that at la dodgers stadium um it is uh the the way that the article had it broke down was uh price per ounce at dodger stadium it is over a dollar per ounce for beer and i think the cardinals they're they're around 60 cents um but I yeah. just that, that I mean, is astonishing to me. That is absurd. I mean, a lot of that is market conditions right. too, right? Or not market conditions, but rather the the like cost of living. You know, a beer just in general is cheaper in St. Louis than than the Dodgers. But you're wagging a finger at me. So. Well, Nate, I'm wagging my finger at you because I could not agree with you more. Of course, it's more expensive to live in L.A. than it is in St. Louis. That's a fact. Then why, on God's green earth? Is a hot dog at Bush Stadium seven seventy five that puts it for the third most expensive hot dog in baseball? Bullshit! That's a crime. <laughs> That's a crime. This should be half and that price. We already know Dewitt's got those beef connections. Why are we? We, we got we got local beer connections, and we yep. got beef coming down from the top. Yep. If anything, if anything, we should have. Good priced all beef hot dogs. Is that so much this, to ask for? I'm more mad about this than anything else that I've ever seen. Uh, any, <laughs> this is the worst news of the week for Cardinals fans. I, think. The, a, I, I, you know, we we want to start this show light. We want to talk and have fun on this show, but um, frankly, these are the questions that need to be asked. F- frankly, Ballpark, frankly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're these we're, are. Or both of you, it's Jesus. We both just we just stopped and like <laughs> took a deep breath because we were both thinking of the the right execution of frankly. All right, uh, uh, yeah, but seriously, these are the questions that need to be asked. Like, I don't, you know, on hey, the field I play, pay my taxes. Uh, I work hard. I got to pay seven seventy five for a flipping hot dog. Come on, 
for a hot ridiculous. dog. A hot dog? How much a hot Come dog on. at the store? You get two packs for seven seventy-five. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Jeez. All right. Okay. okay. I just wanted to bring that up. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. So I guess, you know, really what you should take from that is uh go to Bush Stadium and fill up on beer. Who needs food? I'm bringing in my own hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, pocket I'm, dogs, baby. <laughs> yeah. I'm selling them. Four dollars. Nate dogs. <laughs> oh, Nate. Okay. I'm back on board with Nate dogs. That's good. <laughs> Hold up. Uh, not to be confused with Nathan's hot dogs. Oh, yeah. Close, no. but not, that's not us. And the uh, right, G Funk well, Pioneer, Nate dog. Yes. Of course. Best hook man in, uh, ever to live. There you R. go. I. Wow. All right. Wow. Uh, back on track here. Uh, actually, I think this pod, that this is the most on track this podcast has ever been. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get back to baseball. Yeah. So Cardinals have a, a wee bit of a losing streak. Uh, yeah. We've been we've been taking a look at what this uh, early May, late April losing streak has done to the Cardinals' playoff odds, which of course can change. Any given, you know, week, hot streak, whatever we've seen in even in the last few years, the Cardinals have playoff odds that s- seemed insurmountable, um, only for them to come back. But um, it's starting to get pretty pretty grim as we get yeah. into uh, into May with such a sub five hundred record. Uh, ben, what are what are, you, what are the, some of the the numbers we've got here? Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, like it is important to contextualize everything, right? And and this. This losing streak was really, really bad, and it cut essentially the Cardinals' playoff odds, according to Fangraphs, in half, um, maybe even more than in half. Um, but the good news is the Cardinals play in a pretty weak division. Um, anyways, I, I did want to throw out a couple of numbers um, coming off the uh, Fangraphs projections um, for the remainder of the year. Because of the poor play of the Cardinals, we are now projected to have 61 and 65 for the remaining games. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, that's 126 games uh, remaining in the schedule, um, and that's a sub 500 uh, winning record. I don't think that that's going to be true. I, I would be shocked, actually, if the Cardinals run that. It also has them at a minus 21 run differential, and this is not for the season. This is for that remaining 126 games, and I would actually today place a decently large bet that the Cardinals will have a positive run differential for the remainder of the year. Even with the pitching, the offense is going to pick up. We feel good about the bullpen. And like I said, regression to the mean positively is coming. Um, So I think that it's while the the projection systems are taken into account, obviously they are only looking at numbers and they're essentially extrapolating the performance that the Cardinals have done uh, this year. Um, But uh, you know, we, we could go up and down the lineup, I, you know, but I, I think the, the way to really illustrate this point is Nolan Arenado is not going to be the worst hitter in baseball all year. Um, and if that does happen, there are much larger problems that the Cardinals need to worry about um, in the sum of like one hundred sixty yeah. million dollars over a few years. <laughs> um, so I, I think that's interesting. Another couple of numbers I want to throw out is lowered their uh, chance to win the to win the division to 17 percent. Um, with the Pirates and Brewers currently projected to be over them, which hurts my stomach a little bit to see the Pirates there. Uh, but that yeah. is what a hot start does for you. Um, and then they are at a 25% to make the playoffs. So 
I, I really just kind of wanted to go down that to this. This is what happens when you have a losing streak so long and you're playing so poorly for that long this early in the season is that it really makes those numbers look really, really bad, really, really quickly. Um, yeah. Which is too bad, I, I guess. And a lot. I mean, that 25% chance to make the playoffs feels high right now. I mean, I know these last three games have been fun and been good and we're recording yeah. before the Wednesday night game in Chicago. Uh, so we don't know the outcome of that. But I think as a collective fan base, if you said the Cardinals still have a 25% chance to uh, make the playoffs, you're getting a lot of yeah, rights. Yeah, uh, a lot of like no ways. And and it's hard to disagree with that. It's been r- the worst start in Cardinal history yeah. uh, by a ton of metrics. So the idea that they could even possibly still make the playoffs uh, feels ridiculous. Uh, oh, but, it, but the truth it, is... It, yeah, go on. Yeah, it, it does. It does feel insane, especially with how bad they've been playing. And I think it really speaks to the weakness of this division. That yeah. is what is helping the Cardinals out. And I think my favorite fact of the day right now is the fact that the Cardinals uh, are actually one game closer to winning their division than the New York Yankees. The New York Yankees are 20 <laughs> and 17. Yeah, get them. Now, obviously, the Rays have had this crazy start. It's a different division. Right. It's a totally different world in the AL East. But that is a fact. So it is mathematically easier for the Cardinals to jump in the standings than the New York Yankees. And I would say, obviously, uh, I think that if you put Tampa Bay, Baltimore, Toronto, Boston, or New York in the NL Central, they'd be running away with the division. Um, yeah. So it's it's obviously a much easier task for the Cardinals to leapfrog some of those teams. Um, and right. I also think that, you know, if you're a Cardinals fan sitting here today, uh, I think you could say quite confidently that the Pirates are overplaying themselves. I think that the Cubs, we've talked about this uh, numerous times, they're overplaying a little bit. We also expect them to start selling at some point. Um, but th- I, I think the Cardinals leapfrogging those teams over the next five months is not insane. Um, and I think that's where that 25% comes from is... It is truly the strength of the division, the lack of strength in the division, I guess. Well, the the expected strength of the Cardinals versus the expected strength of the teams that are ahead of them. Um, And yeah, I mean, it feels like the Cubs are are playing really well. You're seeing a lot of fun highlights, et cetera. But they're two games under 500 themselves. And uh, the the real the expected real uh, uh, competitor in the division, the Milwaukee Brewers, they're doing fine. They're four games over 500. I think that they're right around where everyone expected them to be. So you do assume some regression uh, from the Pirates, and we we hope for some positive regression from the Cardinals, and we might still end up with a pretty good division race, uh, but that division race is looking more like 285 win teams and the the chance of either of them slipping b- below 500 and, and losing the division is on the table all season. I think at this point, it's fair to say like this is not a, a, a team that even if we get the best outcomes for the rest of the season is, is surpassing 85, 86 wins. So we really need the Brewers to continue this sort of, you know, stuttering performance we need the pirates to regress and we need everything to click again for the cardinals to return to what they were expected and there's you know there there's a lot of hope in there uh and there's a lot of real um it it feels unlikely and i think it <laughs> is but as you've said uh you know we can point to clear areas of improvement 
that we should expect some positive uh, regression. We just need the starting pitching to to do something to get it yeah. together. Um, because even in this little winning streak, which you know we're going to talk about a little bit, like it's not on the backs of the starting pitching, right? So no, no, it no, it really hasn't been. Um, <laughs> and I think before we we start talking about that, I did want to talk about, or before we start talking about the losing or the uh, uh, kind of the drama that's happened around the Cardinals, I did, and I think uh, hopefully we you know don't spend too much time on that because I, I think I could fill up <laughs> two entire shows. Um, but I did want to talk about a couple of quick Cardinals news as far as pitching goes. Wayno uh, has his first start back. Looked okay for the most part. I, I think what's exciting is that he went five innings, uh, which the Cardinals yes. will take that uh, all the way to the bank right now. Um, and he didn't walk anybody. Um, now, not the most sterling report I've ever uh, uh, given Adam Wayne, right? But I, I think that that's in positive. this economy. Hey, in this economy, I'll take it. Five Absolutely. innings, no walks. Yeah. What more uh, could we ask for? Yeah. Four earned runs. Um, all the peripheral numbers look good. Uh, you just got hit around a little bit. Um, but I think, you know, we all know way now. I think we know what to expect. And honestly, if he sits around a four, a three, seven, five, somewhere around that, the ERA, that is a huge boon to this team, just being able to get to five or six innings and not getting absolutely destroyed um, is going to be great. Or, you know, whatever the hell Jack Flaherty is doing right now, starting games. Um, so really, really happy to have Wayno back. Um, definitely a step in the right direction. And then, you know, like as Kelsey bird might say, like the vibes, we're helping the vibes. Wayno yeah. is key in that. And, uh, I'm like, I have pre-anxiety about him not being here next year. What is the clubhouse going to be without Adam Wainwright? I know, uh, you know, who knows what what what's true and what's not. What's just narrative bullshit? But like, yeah. a lot of things are being pointed right now to like, there's no Wainwright or there's no Yachty. Yeah, uh, like there's no Yachty. We need Yachty. Yachty's the man. Part of me's like, yeah, of course, things are different without Yachty. Uh, but also he was gone for half of last year too. <laughs> he didn't you know? even really so, seem like he wanted to be here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was with his basketball team. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we had Andrew Kisner w started a hundred games last year. Right. You know, so it's, it, it feels a little overblown to say it's like, it, it, it it's exclusively because of the lack of Yachty, but yeah. Uh, people love their leadership narratives. And it, I mean, I think everyone who's ever been a part of any group thing, like it definitely helps to have those guys, those people who uh, rally the troops and are sort of the like, uh, uh, you know, represent what you're trying to do and, right. and model that model that behavior, you know, and and obviously Wayno is one of those guys. Personally, I'm like, isn't that also Goldie? Isn't that also Arenado? Isn't that also, uh, you know, probably Edmund? Like, it's not like we're short of any, like, experienced big league people. But, right, you know, as fans, it's hard to compare anyone to, it, to Wayno. It, it'll be curious uh, when Wayno does leave. I, I'll be curious to see if there are stories start popping up around how, like, Arenado is now feeling the responsibility to take over the clubhouse. And, you know, he just has that per he, yeah. that's what he did in Colorado. He just has that personality a little bit more than Goldschmidt does. Although Goldschmidt does seem more ever, ever so slightly more gregarious uh, this year than he has in the past. Uh, maybe winning that MVP is, has 
light lighten him up a little yeah. bit. I don't know. But uh be curious if we hear Goldschmidt hear any stories. Yeah. And, he, and he I'm seems curious. to me the type of guy who's going to like walk up to you, you know, it's like it's like you're having lunch and he like sets his tray next to you and he sits <laughs> next to you at the yeah. table, you know, instead of like across from you. And right. just starts like, you know. So that swing today, how'd you feel about that? And you're like, yeah. oh shit, I'm being taught by Goldie. Whereas like yeah. Arenado is gonna come and be like, where is he? I need to talk yeah. to this guy, you know, and 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 start throwing out advice or whatever. Yeah, and you know, it's probably important to have both of those voices, uh, really. Um, and, and kind of back to what you're talking about, like I, I do think that people can get caught up in the leadership narrative and and what that means and, and so on and so forth. But like you said, it if that is helping people off of the field feel more comfortable with their position in the clubhouse. It makes sense. I think that if you're feeling better off the field, that you play better on the field. Um, So I think there's truth to all that. I mean, there is a reason why like Nelson Cruz at 42 years, 42 years old is signed with the Padres. It's not because he's the best right-handed hitter and it has to be a DH right now. It's because he's a guy that's been there and done that him and Juan Soto have a relationship and that is valuable enough to give him a roster spot. Um, also, I think he's he's hit a few dongs this year, too. So that goes a long way, too. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, they could yeah. probably a find a different right-handed hitter than Nelson yeah. Cruz. For a long time with the Cardinals, that was the supposed role of the backup catcher when Yachty was truly in his prime. And we were just getting these guys that, uh, you know, were like, we're going to play three games this year. It was yeah. always like, Clubhouse presence, clubhouse presence. You right. Know? Um, Jason LaRue is fine, but everyone loves to be around him. And he he's like a great motivator and bench guy. You know, yeah. and a lot of these backup catchers go on to be coaches and things like that, too, because of that personality type. Yeah. Um, OK, so I, I did want to bring up one other thing before we talk about Wilson. Um, and you, you see it here written on the outline, Nate. I'm proposing yeah, a little controversial take because uh, a lot of people feeling different than this right now. So let, let's hear it. I think Jordan Hicks needs to be off the team at, at the wow. very least off of the big league roster. I think he needs to go down. It is is too unpredictable. Um, he's being used late in games, which I don't like. It makes me feel uncomfortable when he comes in. He has a nine uh, walks, nine walks per nine uh, walk rate. Right now, he is also striking out 14 people per nine, um, but all of his numbers look bad. I understand that he's made some adjustments. He's had a little bit of success the last couple of days. Um, he is currently taking up, in my opinion, Guillermo Zuniga's roster spot, who, after a great performance, striking out Mike Trout um, easily, is, is how it looked, was sent back down. Um, to to AAA to to kind of keep cooking and Andre Pallant. There's we'll talk about all the roster movement, um, a little bit later, but it, it's just not working for me. I'm over it. I know we've got a couple of games of success behind us right now, so it's maybe not the best time to bring it up. But <laughs> I just I can't. It, it stresses me out too much. I'm I'm tired of watching it. He doesn't know where the ball is going, and. I don't know. I, I guess that's just yeah. how I feel. Well, the, the problem is, is that he has no options. So you're basically saying Jordan Hicks should no longer be a Cardinal. Uh, yeah. There's not really a choice other than that. Um, I think you can guarantee that someone would pick him up 
if they try Absolutely. to put him through waivers, yeah. if he even accepts the uh, designation for assignment, which he uh, said he would not uh, when they tried to do it earlier in the year. So it's a it's a tricky call. I mean, he's he's the high high risk, high reward guy, and uh, they obviously want nothing more than for him to pitch high leverage situations because immediately upon looking slightly better, he's been thrust into high level situations again. Right. Uh, I've been feeling more positive about him. I do agree with you that I would rather see Zuniga right now than Jordan Hicks. Uh, I just think they're, they're a little hamstrung uh, with the, with what to do with him. Unless you, and you're just straight up get him. Like he shouldn't be a Cardinal anymore is how you're, is how you're feeling. Here's the deal. This is his last season under contract. His rookie contract is up after the end of this year. The guy's walking, like I said, nine, nine per nine. Last year, he walked five per nine. And in limited time before the year before that, he was walking nine per nine. Very limited time, though. So really not super relevant to this conversation. He can't find the strike zone. The Cardinals need all the help in the the world as uh, being efficient. Guillermo Zuniga has the arm, um, among with other guys, too. It doesn't need to just be him. The Cardinals are not in a position where they can let this guy just figure it out over 60 plus innings in the big leagues. And I don't know. They've had five and a half years with him. They've failed to develop him properly. I don't I don't anticipate anything is going to change here soon. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Dodgers pick him up and he becomes an ace or something like that. But the Cardinals, like I said, they've had their time. The window's closing, and at this point, he's just taking up a valuable spot in the bullpen. Yeah, if they caught him, he goes to the Rays and is suddenly one of the best uh, relievers in baseball. Yeah, they just plucked some dude from another team that they cut after he gave up like nine runs in six innings or something like that. The Rays picked him up, and he threw like four scoreless for the Rays. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so frustrating. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, they, I mean, they're, they're I, good at player I, dev. The Cardinals haven't been for, for pitching. At yeah. least. I don't feel as strongly about it as you do, but it's hard to argue with your point. I mean, we haven't really seen a consistently successful Jordan Hicks for quite a while now. And the fact that he is a free agent after this year makes you wonder, uh, what is it all for at this point? You know, we, we should be looking at, uh, uh the Cardinals, need to be playing for 2023 but they at this point should have a little bit in their back pocket of what is 2024 and beyond look like and jordan hicks unless they fancy the idea of him bouncing back and then they extend him yeah uh, it's not really worth it right now so i do i do see your point of that i i just feel like and i get it i'm intoxicated by the tools as well like the guy's big strong throws 103 with movement, um, of course, you know, you, you want to yeah. hold on to this guy. But like if it wasn't the we, if we weren't in the middle of the sixth year of trying this out and failing, I wouldn't be saying this. I would say, let it ride, let it ride. But the fact that he won't go to the minors, find the strike zone and then come back up and the lack of performance in the first month is just. I don't know, I, I, I've hit my limit, I guess, on my my Jordan Hicks budget. Was he a catcher at some point? Maybe he can play catcher. There you go. A lot go. of these guys played. Who can't? Yeah. Cardinals bring up anyone. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. We got three of them. I think we need a fourth and a fifth catcher. 
this team running three catchers on the 26 man is ridiculous. Talk- Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Oh man. Um, yeah. So if you somehow missed this, it's hard to imagine <laughs> that you're a Cardinal fan who's listening to a Cardinal podcast and you missed this, but to give a, I guess a slight recap of the situation and Ben, please fill in where I miss. Yeah. The Cardinals, uh, suddenly announce, uh, uh through like a through press questions that uh, Wilson Contreras is not going to be starting at catcher very much for quite a while until he can figure out some things about how the way we do it here. Uh, Incredibly vague. They say he's going, they say he's going to be starting in the outfield and the DH the next day. Mazalak comes out and says, no, he will not be starting in the outfield. He will be a DH. And that is essentially what we've seen from him as uh, since that day. Now, some further clarification. The best I can tell is that the Cardinals have been, or the Cardinal pitching staff has been very unhappy with how he's been calling games. In particular, with two strikes, which is something that we have all seen is that the Cardinals yeah. two strike approach has been trash. It is as if the two strike approach has been lava softball down the middle, because that has yeah. been how it's been going for quite a while. It's been one of the bigger sources of, of the problems of the Cardinals. Uh, and so they have had such a problem with his game calling. And because with the pitch clock, they don't have time to wave him off. They don't have time to have that little pitcher catcher back and forth. They just have to take whatever he chooses. Uh, you know, oh they're putting the blame on him <laughs> yeah. and they want him to do whatever this guidance is that they're trying to say it is. And they're going to have Kisner catch and until, uh, yeah, until he figures out the Cardinal way or whatever bullshit there's it, it's, it's been incredibly vague and incredibly yeah. frustrating. I know you've got a full rant ready here. You're he's been keyed up right now. He's he's about to pop. I'll just say like, isn't this why you can people call games from the bench? Like the whole point of when Contreras is that he's a, a, a good catcher who hits extremely well as just a DH. He's he just slots right into the middle of all of our molass of other, like, you know, right. above at like above to slightly above average hitting. So Ben, what do you got to say? Okay. I'm going to try to take a measured approach to this. I'm going to try <laughs> to keep keep calm. But I, I have so many issues with the way that the Cardinals have handled this situation. The first issue that I have is that it is extremely well documented that the Cardinals, Ollie, Moe, and others have been talking to Wilson Contreras since January about game calling, gameplay, what that all looks like, what his role in the organization is going to look like. Um, so they've had months and months to figure this out. Wilson, yeah, they could, had him skip the World Baseball Classic in order to do he, it. Well, at least it was reported that he was like, I'm going to skip this because I want to spend more time with my pitchers, with the organization to understand how this all works, right? That's right. great. The Cardinals have... If any team has seen Wilson Contreras play outside of the Cubbies, it's been the Cardinals. He's been in the Central Division his entire career. He's played almost 20 games a year against the Cardinals, not to mention 
all the other, you know, the analytics, the video, everything like that. If any team in baseball other than the Cubs should understand what Wilson Contreras brings to the table, it should be the Cardinals. Not to mention that they've just spent the last however many months with him. Right. Right. So the game calling, if the game calling is a problem, that is a, if, if it's like a, if a teacher, if the whole class fails the test, it's not the class's fault. It's the teacher's fault because the teacher did a shit job of teaching whatever it was. If you've got this yeah. much time with Wil- Wilson Contreras, we're a month into the season and you decide he's not doing what you think he should be doing, pull him to the side and say, this is exactly the program that you need to be on. Hey, Wilson, our expectations are you do this, this, and this. And then I guarantee he will say, okay, I'm going to do that. Don't just let it like him kind of waft in the wind doing his thing. If it's not like redirect him immediately. The fact that, so clearly they're not talking to Wilson Contreras because he learned about this all through the media. And it was, it was all this kind of weird whirlwind. He calls up Yachty says, Hey Yachty, what do you think's going on here? Yachty apparently says, well, the pitchers aren't executing pitches. I agree. Um, I think Wilson yeah. agrees. And like, yeah. I, I think the fact of the freaking matter is that like, Wilson, maybe you don't love what Wilson's calling, but Wilson Contreras in his career has never called a middle, middle hanging slider. <laughs> yeah, so it's a shit execution. And so yeah. I, I, I guess like the, the, the most like empathetic view of the pitcher's standpoint would be that they don't agree with the call. They don't have a chance to, uh, return their opinion and so when they're about to make the pitch they are not as focused as they should be and they don't execute properly but boy howdy is that a mental leap to give them that and even if that is the case that is a bullshit uh uh, opinion and it is on the pitcher to execute so it's a it's a bunch of pitchers who are having a horrible start to the season. They're looking for anyone to point to, and they found this one little thing in the new catcher, and they've decided that that's the problem, not us as a pitching staff. Yes. Another thing I want to break up, we just talked about how Wilson Contreras has exceeded our expectations. He's been great. He's from been a great. defensive standpoint, he's been hitting just fine. I think right in line with what we expect. He hits the ball hard and he sprays it all over the place. He's doing exactly that. Not to mention, I think he's been above average on the bases um, with, with his speed and, and just kind of game awareness. So he's been better than we expected. What did the Cardinals expect him? Did did they expect him to completely change his game overnight? This is a guy we, we talk. It's very, very difficult to be good at hitting and good at catching. He's figured that out and the Cardinals are complaining about it. Another point yeah. that I have an issue with is, is kind of what you were just talking about. Jack Flaherty's thrown like shit. Steven Matz is throwing like shit. Really, the whole starting rotation other than Jordan Montgomery are throwing like shit. Most of those guys are on their way out. You just signed Wilson Contreras to a big contract for five years, the largest free agent contract that the Cardinals have ever signed with somebody outside the organization. And instead of blaming the pitchers who are executing poorly, Jack Flaherty, who is on his way out, the Cardinals front office and Ali Marmol decide to pick a fight with the guy that they just paid and who's going to be here for the next five years. Where is the sense in that? And it's Fine. If you do that in in you know in your clubhouse, you're talking about that for but for multiple people in the Cardinals front office and management to call out Wilson Contreras, 
publicly. And I think the fact that they removed him from his position before the first week in back in Chicago is stupid. Their inability to read the room and just not understanding how to like communicate their failures. It's yeah, it's mind boggling. Here's how it should have gone. So let's say this is a true problem. Okay, we've got this. Wilson Contreras needs to call a better game. Cool. First of all, Wilson, we're calling your next games from the dugout. Okay. And I want you to focus on the, the pitch sequencing that we're making. And I want you to understand why. And after the game, we're going to talk about why we called these pitches. And together, we're going to put together a plan for you to learn why we called the pitches. So you can do it on your own. But until we feel comfortable, we're calling the pitches. Cool. And also, Wilson, we're going to we're gonna make you start just a couple less games, and you're going to DH, and that's cool because that was kind of already part of the plan. You only started like 75 games for the Cubs last year. No one will bat an eye at it if, if suddenly Kisner's starting two or three games a week and, uh, and Contreras is uh, DHing. If somebody asks, say, keeping him off his legs. He's still adjusting to the new team. Whatever it may be, everyone says, cool, great, excited for Wilson Contreras. And then right. over time, Wilson learns because he he's clearly shown the ability to learn and they ease him back into full time catching or whatever the blend needs to be. And suddenly you've worked well with your new teammate. Wilson Contreras has learned this magical system that suddenly, uh, you know, the Cardinals have that uh, has never been a big deal for all of the other backup and 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 you know, and catchers that we we've had over the last 20 years, only Wilson Contreras is the one with the problem. Uh, and, and it's solved and no one is, no one knows about it. Right. And it's great. And we're all feeling good about Wilson Contreras. Instead, they do exactly what you've just outlined. It's, it's incredibly frustrating. And it's like, uh, Ali Marmol calling out Tyler O'Neill on the third game of the year. And he loses his starting position in center after a full whole thing about yeah. starting. The, it, it, it just, it doesn't make any sense. It's poor people management. And as you said before, you're feeling good off the field. Odds are it's going to help you feel good on the field. And if you're feeling like shit and disrespected by your team off the field, it's not going to help your on field play. Now, that being said, We've not mentioned yet that Wilson Contreras himself has been the bigger man in this entire yes. thing by a mile. He's he's out there saying all the right things. He's playing hard on the field. He's like that first game in Chicago was a ton of fun. Oh that's my the God. most asking inter- for the booze. Yeah, that's so the good. most energetic I've seen a Cardinal player outside of Newt Bar in like I don't know, maybe forever. Yeah. Right? Is like yeah, that's what we got Wilson Contreras for. For. he's supposed to be this fiery leader and you you immediately 30 days into your 90 million dollar contract with your new leader of men you undercut his entire right um everything and so it, it's just it's all about the handling yes the, the observations all of that might be true it, it could be true and that's fine the team well, should be looking for solutions to this shitty pitching staff, but like you can't handle it this way. They yes, and they should. They should be unturning every rock when you're playing this terribly. That is that uh, do your due diligence. But like you were alluding to, and maybe this is Yadier Molina hangover effect. 
But the entire organization should be working on pitch calling. The entire, your analytics department, your coaching staff, the pitching group, the catcher group, and the manager should be involved in game calling to some degree. So to pin this all on one person and their quote unquote preparation is complete horseshit. That's just not how modern baseball works. And and the only reason I say it's the Yadier Molina effect is because there's a chance. I don't know this. But I think it's not that far of a. Uh, to, uh, I'm not going that far out on a limb to guess that. Well, maybe Yadier Molina was doing all of that and doing that yeah. on an organizational level because Yadi is. I mean, we we watched him for 20 years. He's you know he's special. He's he's different. So maybe there is some hangover effect of them getting used to that. Um, why why build a good game plan system uh, that is repeatable and redundant to loss when? All you just need is Yadier Molina, yeah. you know, <laughs> and yeah. does it like, is there a, like, could you tell me that the Cardinals got so used to Yadier Molina that they got a little lazy? Um, yeah, I, I could buy that a, a couple other things and I'll, I'll, I'll calm down and I'll stop ranting here in a second. First, Andrew Kisner is never the answer. If you are having a problem <laughs> with a position, Andrew Kisner is not the answer. So saying that the familiarity or whatever it is is going to help the Cardinals out in the long run or, or the short term or whatever it is, is just patently wrong. He hasn't been good. We've seen him for years. He is not. I believe he shouldn't be on the major league staff. I think the Cardinals probably should have got a legitimate backup or promoted Trace Pereira or one of the other guys sooner than later so that they would have this familiarity and we wouldn't have to watch Andrew do his thing. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I, well, I just I I just thought about this, but you know, w- there was a lot of controversy around Yvonne Herrera last year, yeah. where you know he got called up. He's he's for a while now been the the supposed um, you know uh, the prince to Yadi's king. You know, he was going to be the next guy. He gets his shot last year after Yadi goes to play basketball, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like an inverse Michael Jordan. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, um, yeah totally, <laughs> totally get what you're saying. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he gets a shot, and like a weekend, they're like, he doesn't know how to game plan. He doesn't know how to call games, and he needs to go back to the minors to learn how to call games and how yeah. to prepare properly. So this is two in a row now that we've had these like catchers that are supposed to take over the starting role, and the Cardinals have like sank them yeah. because they don't feel like they call games, and I'm like. What do you even mean? What is the expectation here? Have, right. have like they're not saying what the problem is to the uh, to the press. We're we're having to infer this through uh, Jack Flaherty's rants, yeah. and and other things like that. And it's like I it, part of me thinks they don't know what they're saying either, right? You know, yeah, like it, it seems like a panicked move. Yeah, they they the Wainwright uh, statement. Or he's like, yeah, we sat down, me and Jack sat down, we poured into him and we're, you know, <laughs> we're on the phrase. same page now. I know. And he said, uh, he said, like, we, we reaffirmed to him that we want him here and that everyone is rooting for him, which is something that I don't think anyone had said to him before. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? We haven't said that stuff to him before. Like, is he, like really now in the middle of this controversy is the first time anyone told <laughs> Contreras that we want him here. Yeah. Like yeah, you don't think that 90 is... million over five years convinced them of that. Yeah. Or like, I don't know, uh, maybe Ali Marmol, if that's truly the case, 
Uh, maybe you should have had some sort of welcome yeah. to the team. We want you here. <laughs> yeah. Thing. It, oh, man, it's, it's so okay. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, 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 there are a couple other things I want to talk about, and I'm sorry. I just okay. This it makes me insane. Uh, so th- and this is just a snide comment. Um, I guess this is true for everybody, but Jordan Montgomery, right? Jordan Montgomery is somehow succeeding in spite of Wilson yeah. Contreras having no idea how to call a game. Wow. Or uh, Gallegos right. or Hel- like Helsley. Helsley. Uh, you know, obviously they've all had their hiccups. Every reliever will, but like Hennessy Cabrera, Hennessy Cabrera, who's having a, a return to form. Yes. Uh, you know, like, yep. All those guys. Chris Stratton you know. has looked great. Um, yeah. yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> the, uh, and, and then kind of back to a real issue that this brings up is that the reason that you supposedly sent down Jordan Walker was to get, uh, get, 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 get him more reps, of course, but also have your outfield kind of be solidified so that you have your guys, they're starting on a regular basis. There's a rhythm, so on and so forth. That's been widely reported. But now when you put Andrew Kisner into the lineup, that forces Wilson Contreras to take over the DH. And then you have people like Brendan Donovan playing out of position. Nolan Gorman, not DHing as often as he should. Alec Burleson sitting on the bench. It messes up the entire, like the whole strength of the Cardinals right now is the position player depth. And when you move around that position and suck up the DH, it ruins the flexibility and the the true strength of this roster. So yeah, it, is I, it's su- yeah. such a bad move on so many levels. And it I think sucks. what you said, like that, that should be reiterated is the idea of you could have done this quietly. You could have pulled him out, sat him down, said, this is exactly the program you need to do. Andrew Kisner goes out there for a few games. You feel better about Wilson and nobody's talking about this. Nobody's feelings are hurt. And you look like an organization that knows what you're doing. Um, but the way that Ali Marmal has acted throughout this, the way that John Mozeliak has acted through this, and some of the players, Jack Flaherty calling out his catcher to the media is shit. That is yeah. a bad teammate. I I I mean I talk shit on you all the time, but you know, that's kind of our, our fun um Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> a, it's a witty repartee, you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well like, also with someone as stupid as you, it has to be called sure. out sometimes, you piece you, of shit. Do you think Jack Flaherty is smarter than I am? Mm, wow, low bar on both sides. Uh, I I generally I don't know I generally until all of this I I had a very positive uh, opinion of Jack Flaherty, which is not something that I can say about you. So I don't know. <laughs> I'm 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 torn on how yeah. to answer that. Tough question. Um, uh, I but really I've really liked Jack Flaherty. Um, I've been I think I appreciate his uh, outspokenness on. Uh, social issues and I appreciate the fire that he had you know been seemingly brought uh, bringing with him to yeah. the team um, this is the first time uh, where I've been like Jack dude you need to take a step back you you have nothing to stand on right now uh, that little uh, like snide press uh, conference after yesterday's game oh, where he's yeah. like I'm gonna stop talking to you guys I'm gonna stop talking to you guys about my fastball I'm like Man, like that's part of the game. Your fastball is all over the place. People want to know. Uh, you know, his his response under all of his little snide remarks, there's kind of an answer about how he plays around with his fastball. Talk about that. That's yeah. interesting. That's literally the question. Hey, we Jack, just want to know. If you were getting guys out, 
people probably wouldn't even bring it up. They'd be like, wow, yeah. it's cool how you change the velocity on your fastball. But you're not yeah. getting guys out and you suck right now. So you don't get to <laughs> you don't get to sit there and first off, be mean to Jimmy the Cat Hayes, who is a local <laughs> yeah. legend. Nobody, nobody is mean to Jimmy the Cat Hayes. That's our guy. And, but but like you said, like you, you don't get to be bad and then also be mean to the media and then also throw your catcher under the bus. Like you, it, you don't get to do all those things and kind of like uh, uh, keep keep your your status or whatever. It's. Yeah, I mean, Jack's walking over six people per nine right now. Jack's right. got a six one eight ERA. He doesn't get to sit there and say, you don't you can't ask me about my fastball velocity. Yeah. It's Wilson Contreras' his fault somehow. It's his fault. <laughs> yeah. And uh in this three game winning streak, um Michaelis didn't get out of the fifth inning and Matt's had an okay start. Yeah, you know, but still didn't get out of the sixth. Not like it's uh suddenly, you know, the pitching staff is going deep in the right. games. Yeah. So I, and I, I'll say like we, we saw a little improvement for Miles, but it was mostly that his singer sinker had life again. Um, and I don't yeah. think that has anything to do with the catcher either. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Anyways. All right. You got any more points on here on your little list you want to get through for uh, for this or should we move on? The, the only other thing that I, I thought was just interesting to bring up and I, I was thinking about this. I was <laughs> I'll add extra flavor. I was walking to the coffee shop the other day. I was wow. Getting a coffee wow. and a, a nice little sweet treat for myself. And nice my to hear. Lovely. Nice wife. to hear you're walking. Yeah, I'm okay. walking. I can, I can walk. I'm physically yeah. fit enough to walk right now. And I was thinking, uh, obviously, Mike Matheny, um, he he disagreed with the front office. He was given some good teams. Clearly not a great manager. Mike Schilt was more in line uh, with the front office. Uh, I think he was a pretty solid manager. Uh, we liked him for the most part. Yeah. I don't really have problems. He made some not great decisions in the playoffs sometimes. Or his hat real low. Looked yeah. kind of like a little goblin. Maybe a strange yeah. human being, but a fine baseball manager. <laughs> um, yeah. And he was more in line with the front office. Ali Marmol is essentially a company guy, right? He is, I, I think it, he might as well be in the front office. I don't really have a problem with that. But it did make me think about the idea of like, is there value in the manager being less simpatico with the front office is it okay or is there a value add to somebody who is questioning upper management's decisions who is pushing back on those ideas and is the reason that we found ourselves in the situation that we're currently in because those two uh, or the, that group of people are so lock and step is there an echo chamber going on are they too insular would the team benefit from having a voice really anywhere in management from the manager all the way up to president of baseball operations that hasn't been in the Cardinals organization since like you and I were in grade school? Um, yeah. And I don't know uh, the answer to that, but I just thought that it was, yeah. you know, me walking around thinking about baseball. <laughs> uh, walking on your tiny little Colorado sidewalks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, very specific <laughs> comment for one person. <laughs> so I, I, in a vacuum or like theoretically, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, that's part of the reason why you're supposed to have an on field coach because they're supposed to get the game on a day to day level and be able to communicate the needs of the players back up to, 
to management right. and be able to to rally, motivate, and make in-game decisions based off of their understanding of the current moment. Mazalak can't know about uh, someone's like rough morning or what right. like you know there's there's the human side of it that the manager is supposed to be there for um and there needs to be that pushback on the on management basically more appropriately inf- informing the higher level management about like the needs and and what's happening on the ground and right. if they're just following the uh what's being handed down the like data set that's being handed down to them by the by senior management then yeah you're missing a component to the whole right. thing yeah so i don't know I, i'm not necessarily calling for ali to be fired or really anyone to be fired um but well, the, the problem with if it, with what you're if Marmal being fired is not going to solve the problem if Mazalak is just going to bring in right. the, the next Marmal, right? Schilt was an attempt at the next Marmal. He seemingly was fired for disagreeing with the the uh, general, uh, with Mazalak's approach. And unless uh, DeWitt is either going to fire uh, Mazalak which seems like Mosaic, the way he's gaining power, it seems like he's more likely to fire DeWitt somehow than uh, he, than the other way around. I, I was um, listening to Will I, Leach uh, the other day, and he talked about how anytime that Mosaic addresses the, uh, uh, the the press and the people and everything like that, it's like he's coming down from on high and like handing over stone tablets and you know doesn't really answer any questions. There is a weird. And I think it's just John Mozalek is a weird, awkward person who's he's a Muppet. Sm- yeah. <laughs> who's <laughs> really smart at one thing. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like you listen to Alex Anthopoulos talk and he talks about how much he wants to win and he cares about the players and they're always trying to do this. And Mozalek's kind of like, oh, well, you know, we got to stay on. Well, program. Well, when- yeah. Well, oh, there's that. two Mazalocks here now. <laughs> Damn it. I didn't even mean to do that. I just fell into it because of you. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It, you know, Mosaic isn't going to get fired. Like you said, he is, you know, yeah. as locked they in. They have to as, be convinced as... to hire. Like, I, I do think like if Marmol move is, is, uh, is let go, like the only logical move to actually shake something up, to actually try something new within the Cardinal organization would be to hire an existing successful manager and give him the, the room and, uh, and, and like, respect like to a, actually make decisions like a Bruce Bochy type. Like, yeah, like bringing, obviously he's got a job, but somebody who is, Somebody who like cemented that. Yeah. their legacy. Yeah. And, and still relevant. Not like yeah, a legacy, Tony a legacy manager. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think about, you know, if we would have hired Terry Francona instead of hiring Mike Matheny, um, obviously there were some good years there and the Cardinals haven't been bad by any means. But I do wonder, um, you know, in that alternate timeline, what the Cardinals would look like. And, uh, you know, Terry Francona just yeah. brings a different level of authority and credibility and bullpen management and, you know, all those things. He, so that's I a good know. one. I, I did learn recently though. And I didn't actually know this because I think a lot of us look back to that as like, man, I wish we would have hired Terry Francona, but um, I didn't know this until very recently, but did you realize he took a year off? Uh, he didn't work that year. And basically 
told everyone that he was he he wasn't even really seeking a job that year. Right. He wanted a year off for his health. So they weren't ever going to actually get Terry Francona that year. But you could conceive of maybe an idea where they like do a little stopgap manager and then yeah. uh, hire Terry Francona. Um, but that's typically not what the Cardinals do. I mean, so that's, that, that's not, probably not what Mike Matheny should have been. Yeah, <laughs> should have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. All right. Um, well, we still have some other things that we want to talk about, but well, uh, obviously I need that, a cigarette or was, something. <laughs> I need to start smoking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I need a new vice. Yeah. Baseball's not doing it. Uh, all right. So before we jump into our next stuff, we do want to remind people that this show is supported on Patreon, patreon.com slash talking about birds. We work every week to bring you this show. We love it, but we also uh, really appreciate the support that we've received. And if you want, if you enjoy the show and you want to support us directly, consider joining that Patreon, patreon.com slash talking about birds. Subscribers at any level get access to a private Discord. We call it the Bird Scored. Tweet, tweet, baby. We're having a good time in there. It's been a nice little refuge during this losing streak. I, I won't lie and say it's just been a bastion of positivity, but it's been nice to uh, connect with other Cardinal fans in a more personal space and actually get some back and forth, unlike a Twitter or whatever, where you're just throwing your thoughts out into the void and you don't know if anyone sees it. We're all in there in the bird scored. Happy to talk about Cardinals 24 uh, seven. And we're, uh, we're, we're going to be doing some, uh, like live game watching together here soon, voice channel or video channel. We're talking about doing some meetups. If that sounds like fun to you, get in the bird score. It's cheap. Uh, and we, we, uh, really appreciate those who have already. Uh, we also appreciate, uh, people who take the time to leave us a review in their favorite podcast platform. It really does help. Thank you. Uh, Ben, if people want to find us online elsewhere, where can they do it? Yeah, all the socials. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Talk About Birds. You can follow us on Instagram at Talking About Birds. Uh, you can follow us on TikTok. We're doing TikToks uh, where I put We're up doing a TikTok. Yeah, if you want to see our faces and our our mouths flap around incoherently, you can find us there on the TikTok. Uh, if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, and criticisms, please send them to talkaboutbirds at gmail.com. Uh, also point out that we are on Spotify. So if you want to listen to us on Spotify, check us out there. Um, if all that sounds like too much, just go to, talk, uh, to <laughs> go to talkingaboutbirds.com. That's talkingaboutbirds.com at talkingaboutbirds.com. <laughs> there, I, I fixed all it. All right. The there you go. All right. We've got uh, a handful of roster moves that Woof. we wanted to run through. Yeah. So Ben, why don't you run us down the line and we'll uh we'll just touch on them as, as yeah. we go. Isn't isn't it funny that a team in an eight game losing streak has a bunch of roster uh changes all of a sudden? Um yeah, so yeah, right. I'll just run through these uh dating back to our last episode. James Nail uh was called recalled uh to the Cardinals from the triple A team. Juan Yepez is on the major league team as well. Uh, Tyler O'Neill goes to the 10 day DL with a, or IL, sorry, um, with lower back strain. Jake Woodford hits the IL 15 day IL with a right shoulder mm -hmm. inflammation. I question the legitimacy of that injury. <laughs> um, this, this is how you should oh. handle a player who is not performing as you might expect, rather than throwing them under the bus, give them a nice little yep. IL stint uh, that may or may not be real. 
Um, as I referenced earlier, Guillermo Zuniga was optioned to the Memphis Redbirds. The Cardinals called up Tres, Trace, Trace Barrera from the Redbirds. He is now the third catcher on the active roster. Uh, Adam Wainwright was activated off the 15-day injured list, as we talked about earlier. Taylor Motter was designated for assignment once again. Uh, he did accept that assignment and is now at AAA, so he's still in the organization. Um, and in, in corresponding moves, the Cardinals sent down lefty flamethrower Jojo Romero um, for Mr. Andre Pallante. Um We'll see, I guess, on that final one. Jojo was okay. Uh, obviously, the Cardinals like Pallante. He has reverse splits. He's ground ball machine. I think it makes some sense. He had an okay outing yesterday. Uh, I guess we'll see how that all goes. But uh, yeah, lots of injury or lots of uh, transactional updates and lots of movement, um, obviously kind of on the outer rim of the Cardinals uh, roster right there. I think the biggest news is Tyler O'Neill, uh, the lower back strain. Yeah. Obviously, his whole focus the last two years, three years really is staying healthy. Hopefully this is something where he just hits the minimum, comes back, starts hitting. I still, I'm going to say this until it comes true. I believe in Tyler O'Neill. He's going to have a good yeah. year, um, but, uh, you know, kind of frustrating to see uh, him back on the IL already. Yeah, a lot in there. But like you said, this is this is what a team should be doing. I mean, teams are doing this anyway, but let alone in a in a. Uh, uh, a team that is struggling so hard. We need to be updating the fringes. You gotta have three catchers on a struggling team. Uh, you know, it's, uh, that, you know, that's, it, it's, it's a, <laughs> not to get no back bid, in, we're done. <laughs> but he's so bad at catching that he can't even act as your backup catcher. Sometimes you had to call up trace Barrera. He's that you can't put him back there. It's impossible to put Wilson well, Contreras. I, at his natural position. I, I assume it's more like the, you know, the, the baseball nightmare of both of your catchers are hurt and you have to have Brendan Donovan back there. Yeah. They, because Contreras is playing every day and Kisner is back there. Like it's still incredibly unlikely, but it's more likely than it normally would be for your two primary catchers to get yeah. hurt in a single game. So they feel like they have to carry a third just in yeah. case. Uh, but it, it's still like, yeah, it feels, it feels bad. The, the fact that Andrew Kisner is taking at bats and that means that Juan Yopez is not taking at bats makes me want to jump into traffic. <laughs> it's not great. It's not, it's great. not great. Um, I agree with, uh, Tyler O'Neill. Yeah. It's a bummer. That's the biggest one in there. Hopefully yeah, sorry. it's not I'm too long. Yeah. Every, every, uh, everything else is, is pretty normal. Hopefully yeah. uh, some of these changes to the bullpen can, can stick and and help and uh hey we say yapez we're happy to see him back on the he he is a big league hitter he should be on a big league team so all right we've got uh two series coming up um first one hey this is fun uh going back to fenway ben and i uh we we went to fenway last year and we watched uh uh, one of the games against the Cardinals, uh, the Cardinals uh, Red Sox in Fenway Saturday night. It was beautiful. We got like a crazy, perfect Boston experience. Neil Diamond literally was there and did the whole <laughs> yeah. thing. That was uh, amazing. Pujols got handed Pujols got handed some stuff by uh, by David Ortiz. Like it was the full ride. Uh, yeah. So 
you know, we can have a little nostalgia for a year ago uh, in this upcoming series. But what are you expecting out of the Boston Red Sox in this series, Ben? Man, so the Red Sox are kind of a fun team right now. Um, yeah, their their pitching is garbage. Uh, they're they're honestly a lot like the Cardinals right now, except for they're just a little more successful. Um, well, but their Chris Sale is, is kind of bouncing back, but Chris, still, you know, yeah, he, and he's still Chris Sale when you're when you're throwing that hard from that far out on the left hand side, like it's just never going to be easy. But uh, throughout, there's Tanner Houck's got a five two six ERA. Chris Sale's got a six three. Nick Pavetta's got a six two. Corey Kluber has a six two. Uh, that being said, Kinley Jansen has changed his arm angle and is having one of the best seasons he's had in a really long time. He has an ERA plus of 565 uh, right now. So pretty they're, good. They're, yeah, their bullpen has been OK. Really, though, the story is about that offense. Masataka Yoshida, the import from Japan, who the, uh, I thought the Red Sox overpaid, has been playing incredibly he has got a 901 ops right now hitting a lot of home runs he's not striking out he's walking they still have rafi devers uh alex verdugo's playing really well justin turner the new addition has been a positive ad connor wong is playing really well um and tristan casas is uh we talked about this a while ago but he's a guy that could pop a bunch of home runs at any time mm -hmm. uh so the offense is really solid it's pretty deep their defense is okay um but th this team can score a lot of runs. What you would expect to see is a couple of blowout type games um, or not blowouts, but kind of uh, uh, shootouts, I, I guess, is the right word. Um, and uh, we'll see. But it's not going to be easy. Uh, I, I, they've been playing above what I expected them to play. Um, they're 26 and 12 right now. Um, so they're, they're a good team. They're playing well. The Cardinals are catching them at the wrong time right now. Yeah, and... and Fenway is just one of those stadiums, you know, it's like yeah. you just never know. Right. And uh, their defense is going to be more comfortable playing in left field than than ours and just playing off the wall. So we've seen some historically bad Cardinal games in uh, in Fenway, uh, you know, as I flash back to the 2013 World Series uh, uh, nightmare. <laughs> and, uh, and we saw the we had a we saw like the one good game there last year. We lucked out. They they yeah. crushed them on that Saturday night. So we just need to go to every uh, game. That's a great point. Hey, the uh, the until recently, the last home run Arenado had hit was when you and I were at the game. <laughs> uh, in, oh yeah, in early early April. Ugh. So that's a bummer. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. Uh, I I have a love hate relationship with the Cardinals playing the Red Sox. It just makes me sad about 2013 over and over again. But it's yeah, what a fun ballpark to to see Agreed. play in. So, uh, and then after that, uh, we have a meaningful series. Yeah, uh, we have the the Brewers coming to St. Louis for a three game set. I uh, I mean we've been saying this all year, but if ever there was a time for the yeah. Cardinals to really turn it on and make a statement. Uh, these are the exactly the games that they have to do it in. Like, we, you cannot uh, lose games directly against the Brewers. Uh, the only shot that they have at at taking this division is beating the crap out of the Brewers and yep. then hoping that that both teams just sort of, you know, float against everyone else. It, it's yep. the only chance you've got. So they got to do well in this series. 
Yeah. And, you know, like Nate was saying, the, the Brewers have been good, not great. Um, their offense is kind of what we expected it to be. Rowdy Telez is their uh, best hitter this year and, and probably will be all year. Um, and, uh, you know, other than that, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of scrubby. Um, William Contreras, who we talked about a couple of times, he's having a nice start to his Brewers career. Um, outside of that, you know, Willie Adamas is fine. Brian Anderson is fine. Um, Jesse Winker isn't really hitting. Christian Yelich is just not, I, I don't, I, it's crazy he's, to me. I, he's just not going to come back, yeah. I guess. I, I don't know. Um, He's hitting that, the ball well, but just not, he's not the power threat he used to be. Like, he's going to get on la- base. Launch angles. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a problem for them. And, you know, even though Brandon Woodruff is still injured, the pitching group is still really good. Uh, the Cardinals have been able to get to Freddie Peralta time and time again. We'll see if that's possible. Uh, Corbin Burns is not the best pitcher in the entire world right now. That's a good thing to take advantage of. Um, but Wade Miley has looked really good so far earlier this year. Um, and they still have Devin Williams at the back of the bullpen who might have the best single pitch in baseball. Still that change up is just nuts. Um, and he He throws 96, 97. So, yeah, I mean, we, we all know the brewers. I don't think there's too much else to break down. Um, other than just calling out the importance of this series, especially, if the Cardinals can keep this riding and, you know, I believe that the, when the Cardinals are playing well, they match up really, really nicely against the Brewers um, because right. it's, it's really just getting through that starter and you should be able to win the game after you get that starter out of the, uh, off the mound. Uh, but we'll see, um, you know, what happens and hopefully they uh, don't get the bullpen and the pitching staff doesn't get too worn out mm-hmm. by their trip to Boston. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I think it's interesting the Brewers went and traded for Jesse Winker and then basically immediately stuck him in a platoon. Yeah, um, I, I know there's some data behind that, but uh, it doesn't feel like Winker's that far removed from being a, a pretty good all around hitter. And I think like a lot of people saw that acquisition as adding a new bat right into the lineup. And he's yeah. just not playing as much as I would have expected. Yeah, their offense, I mean... It's it's easy to complain when you're a Cardinals fan and the and the team isn't playing as you expect them and everything like that. But I think it'd be more frustrating to watch a team like the Brewers, even though they are winning. That offense is just like kicking and scratching and clawing for every little run that they can get. Um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, there are a few things more boring to watch than a bad offensive team. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Like so. with bad pitching, you're at least like, oh, come on. You know, you're just like your heart is sinking and it's like all bad outcomes. Um, but, you know, the bad hitting, you're just like, Ugh. especially with a pitch clock. Now yeah. where innings are like two minutes, if it's a particularly bad <laughs> offense, you're like, you're yeah. like, all right, here we go. We got the heart of the lineup coming up. And then it's like. SpongeBob meme like 45 <laughs> seconds later, and it's like, yeah. you know, innings over. Like, ah, well, shit. Okay. Well, <laughs> we that tried. Was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and what's funny is like Rowdy's their best hitter, but he's like, he's not even on their war leaderboard. They're, they're just a weird, a weirdly configured team. Yeah. Uh, and have been for a while. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, should be some hopefully good and fun series. Um, we'll see. Uh, yeah. let's run through some, let's run through some league news. 
Ben, what do you got? Yeah, man, this is the year of starting pitcher injuries, I swear. Uh, Astros' Luis Garcia is going undergoing Tommy John surgery later this week, obviously out for the season. Um, he's a guy I like. I hate the Astros, but I like Luis Garcia. Um, kind of kind of sad to see that, but that's yeah. the way it's going this year. Um, pitchers are going down. Uh, speaking of pitchers yeah. going down, uh, Matt Harvey announces retirement. Uh, the Dark man. Is the saga is over? Um, I don't know. I always kind of liked Matt Harvey. I don't know why exactly, but I kind of liked him. I was kind of pulling for him. He kind of had this cocky attitude, and then that kind of all got dropped. And then, of course, he got caught up in the drug scandal with the Angels. And he, I don't know, he had a, an interesting career at the very least. Yeah, it's he's like one of the most well known pitchers of the last decade and had like a good season (laughs) yeah it's pretty wild i mean he you know he of course looked like he was going to be the best pitcher in baseball and that he was a part of that mets run that went to the world series so like you know there's a lot that surrounded it um but like yeah you just we we've been hearing about matt harvey for a decade now and little of it has been him actually pitching to any sort of successful degree yeah, in uh, 2013, he threw 178 innings, the 201 FIP, um, and over nine strikeouts per nine. He was 24 years old and uh, got injured, had an okay year after that, and then just kind of never never really got it back together. Baseball's hard. Yeah, um, there's that like the, the, the mid-2010s rotation of the Mets. That yeah. everybody just goes back to where it's like at one moment they had so many guys. It's kind of like the the Tigers had that at one point too, where like, you know, it was like Scherzer and Verlander. And right. you know, it's like you just look back at these rotations that were like, how did they have all these guys at the same time? But they weren't who they are now right. either, you know. Um, I'm going to kind of uh, we got some good news and some bad news. Liam Hendricks begins his minor league rehab after coming back from yeah, non-Hodgkin's just... lymphoma, uh, the crowd went crazy. He's excited to be back. I mean, it seems pretty realistic it, that he's going to be pitching in the big leagues this year. It's pretty exciting. It's not even realistic. Like, they're saying within a couple weeks, probably. It, like, it just breaks it, my it brain. Would, yeah, it would have to be some sort of, uh, like, injury that stops it at this point because right. everything else is on track. His, his velocity is a little down. Uh, fair. Yeah. <laughs> he just went through several rounds of chemo. So the rehab assignment might take a little while as he gets back to strength. They're basically training it like spring training for him, right. um, which is, you know, exactly right. It's, it's incredible. Uh, also adorable story. I don't know if you saw this, his quote, uh, of, rightfully so everyone's losing their mind for him, all the love in the world for him, the other team, everybody, just an outpouring of love and support. And he said, this has been challenging for me because I pitch with anger and it's really hard to be angry when you're surrounded by so much love. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's like, amazing. What a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and less good news, of course, uh, Vita Blue, uh, legendary, yeah. you know, Hall of Fame level pitcher, uh, multiple. Uh, he, he won an MVP in a Cy Young, multiple World Series. Um just uh, kind of an all timer, I think. Uh, and actually, he's not a Hall of Famer. I why did I think no. he was in the Hall of Fame? Um, he's one of those guys with the 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 like incredibly high peak, yeah, but not the like longevity. Man, 
to to get in. When he was in 1971, he was 21 years old. He had a 182 ERA, 312 innings pitched. He led the league in FIP, WHIP, hits per nine, strikeouts. Won the Cy Young and the MVP. And again, he was 21 years old. Um, he passes away uh, uh, at the age of uh, 73, and uh, you know, just just bad news. Somebody uh, who I thought I just I think anecdotally assumed he was in the Hall of Fame, but but was yeah, it? he's close, right around 50 WAR. Yeah, um, so you know, he didn't. He just needed a couple more of those peak seasons uh, to to get over that threshold. But definitely a dude who had an impact and was an incredible yeah. uh, baseball player. Um, and then I got a couple of uh, A's news bits. Uh, Glenn Kuyper, longtime broadcaster for the A's, <laughs> drops a racial slur live on television um, and has been suspended indefinitely. Um, if you <sighs> saw it, I, I would I would say don't go find it if you haven't seen it. Um, yeah. The fact that he was talking about the Negro League Hall of Fame um, makes it even sadder. And I would say, you know, Bob Kendrick, who is like one of my favorite people who is in baseball, but not in baseball, uh, of course, had a very thoughtful and uh, uh, just, uh, yeah, I'll leave it there. A very thoughtful thing to kind of say about the situation. Um, But dude, you're on TV. I mean, the hell's wrong with you? well, so what it tells you, I don't want to overreact to that or yeah. overreact to the, the, but what it tells you is that this is something that he's been generally comfortable saying before, right? Yeah. You don't say that in your job in, you know, in front of millions of people, if it's not something that is at least just sort of part of your, your brain lit brain wave, yeah. your, your lexicon, it's like the Cincinnati Reds guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, he didn't know he was on. Uh, he was on a hot mic because it's that's just the thing that he says. It's the type of person that he is. So like, I don't, you know, I, it, it's just it's incredibly telling. Yeah. Right. So, so bye. Um, probably yeah. for a long time. Um, <laughs> in other Oakland A's news, man, they can't catch a break right now. Oakland A's and Bally's Corp have an agreement in place for the team to build a 1.5 billion dollar stadium. In Vegas, it is going to be on the site shared with the Tropicana Casino and Resort. Um, put it all on red. Put it all on red. Um, so Vegas, baby, it's it's happening. Uh, they have a site. Yeah. Um, and actually, I will say, uh, you know, looking at this 30,000 foot view, the good news about the situation that the A's and Bally's Corp have come to is that it's only going to cost the uh, municipality of Las Vegas about $400 million rather than the, the traditional yeah. almost a billion. So it's saving the taxpayers a little bit of money. Um, I still do not understand why we subsidize these billionaires in building these castles in their honor. Um, but it's nice to see that it'll only be about, I don't know, a, a yeah. quarter or less than a quarter of the, of the bill than uh, closer to the whole thing. So some good news, some We're- bad news. I guess we'll see what that all looks like finally starting to get better about that you know like i think everyone's starting to wake up to what a bad deal it is yeah uh, to pay for for government to and, pay and city <laughs> to pay wow <laughs> 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 you just like stopped me in my tracks with that one um 
Yeah, what a bad idea it is for a person to pay for a team <laughs> or for a city uh, government to pay for a a, uh, a a stadium. It's just it's a bad deal. Yeah. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Nate hates toupees. <laughs> it's a bad deal. <laughs> All right, that wraps up the league news. All right. Well, Ben, you know, we've had a good time today. We've been ranting. We've been raving. We've been frustrated. And uh, I thought it would be fun. I thought it'd be nice if we lighten the mood a little bit. We have a little bit of uh, just like stupid, dumb, sort of fun. And today I... Oh. (laughs) I hate you so much. Oh, no. Is that going to be your last words, Ben? We have to get out of here. The lady, I need to explain to this, ladies and gentlemen, that <laughs> he does the bit. He acts surprised. I'm looking at his face right now. He acts surprised. He hits the audio cue. He knows when it's coming. Oh, no. Oh, my I God. I didn't see this coming. Yeah, method that's acting right. on this stupid game. <laughs> Let me, is it, Nate, is it time to play Card Shark? That's right. <laughs> it's time. We're here with another round of Card Shark. Wow. I've got a set of cards from the 2013 uh, Tops Series 1 cards. I've been meaning to tell you the cards that you won in our pitch off uh, while you were in, in Den- while you were in Denver, you left them in the back of my truck. I know. They're my cards now. Ugh. I was looking all over for them. I could have <laughs> sworn I put them into a, a certain pouch in my in my bag and like i guess you got in there with your buttery little fingers i and found them in the backseat of my truck which you did not ride in so you were clearly being careless with them idiot it, no it clearly fell out when i dumped my whole suitcase over the backseat of your car <laughs> when we were on our uh that's on that our way right. to the airport yeah. yeah okay so here's how this works i've got a, a set of cards here uh from the series i already said uh, I'm going to say the name of the player. Ben tries to tell me uh, who, what team they play for and what their position is. Yeah. So you get a, a point for each. And um, some of these guys have changed teams since uh, since these cards were printed. So I will I will give you either. Either yeah. the, the team that they are on displayed in the card or uh, if you get who they are on now. Okay. All right. So Thanks, starting it, starting it, I am uh, a kind baseball guy. All right. <laughs> oh, starting God. out, starting out, we've got Cal Mitchell. Crap. Uh, damn. Um, the only Mitchell I can really think is that guy that plays center field for the Brewers. Uh, it's not him. Um, yikes. So I'm going to guess this is guy. This guy is a relief pitcher. Um, and I'm going to guess he is a Mariner. Wrong and wrong. Damn Cal it. Mitchell is an outfielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Wow. How? He, he started some games last year. Did he? Um, I think he's hurt yeah okay. and you were thinking of garrett mitchell for the for the brewers That's who, yeah i know him yeah i couldn't think of anyone with the uh cal mitchell okay i'm i'm, I'm b-refing him right now calvin mitchell on b-ref nate you little not that that would it's help cal me. he goes by cal Let's it's see. on the card okay 
Yeah, he has. Okay, he's got 69 games played. He's, I, 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 (laughs) there's a chance I I could have guessed that, but I didn't. Yep. All right. All right. This one's a little more well known. George Kirby. George Kirby, starting pitcher for the Seattle Mariners. I like George Kirby. Correct. George Kirby having a great year. A uh, interesting fact about Calvin Mitchell. He was the two, uh, 22,666th baseball player in major league history. Six, six, six. That is it. That is an interesting fact. Wow. Be aware. Wow. JJ Blade. JJ Blade was a Marlin, but I think he got traded or dropped from the Marlins. Did they do it? Was it JJ Blade and AJ Puck one for one with the A's? Um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to answer Marlins and A's and I think I'm right on at least one of those. What's his position? Oh, uh, what is he? A, uh, center fielder outfielder, I believe. Yeah, I'll just take outfielder. So you're right on all accounts. Uh, so I don't think it was a one for one though. I think there were other pieces included in it, but that was, they were the you know, sort of two former prospects, yeah. uh, top prospects <clears throat> in a swap. And it's working out really well for both teams. Blade is looking really good for the athletics right now. And Puck is the Marlins closer and is kind of cr- crushing it. So, uh, all right. Ethan it, Small. It was a one for one trade. Was it one for yeah, one? I had to nice. look that up. Uh, okay. Sorry. What'd you say? Ethan Small. Ethan. Ooh. Uh, that absolutely sounds like a baseball player. I'm going to guess, usually when I don't know them, they're like some middle reliever, although that wasn't right with Cal Mitchell. Um, Ethan Small, I'm going to say he's a reliever um, for the Reds. I don't know. That's a guess. He's a He is a pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. What? Now, I think he is intended to be a starter, but he has thrown in relief, so I'll give you a point for okay. that. Man, hold on to that one. Yeah. Um, ooh, this card is shiny. Oh, yeah. He's got Let's six see. innings pitched in the big leagues last year, and he had an yeah. 11 walks per nine. I'm, I'm okay. Not, not bad. Not that one. <laughs> we call that the Jack Flaherty. All right. <laughs> uh, or the Jordan Hicks. Sorry. There you go. Sorry, Jack. All right. So I'm going to give you a, a, a piece of information on this one that I think will be helpful. All right, so the player's name is Zach Thompson. This is not yeah. the St. Louis Cardinals' Zach Thompson. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I believe the other Zach Thompson is a starting pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates. That is correct. Crushing it. A few more here. Uh, have you heard about this? Have you seen this guy? <laughs> have you heard about this guy? Miguel Cabrera. Hey, there we go. First ballot Hall of Famer, first baseman, third baseman, DH, Detroit Tigers. Heck yeah. All right. Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson is, oh. So I know he was with the Braves. For some reason, I have it in my head that he was traded to the Pirates, but I can't really remember that. So I'm going to say maybe I'm getting Bryce Anderson mixed up. I'm going to say Ian Anderson is a starting pitcher for the Braves. 
The Bravos. You got it. Yes. Ian Anderson. Is he yeah, still El- a Brave? So I believe so. He had a very big 2021. He was a big breakout starter. Looked like the next top guy for the Braves. And then it was really bad in 2022 and has struggled to really get back to. Yeah, uh, man. He is only pitched two thirds of an inning in triple A and he has an ERA of 54. Yeah. So something's going on there. All right. Gerard Encarnacion. Great name. Um, never heard of this guy. Not, I hope I'm saying it correctly. Okay. Gerard. It's either Gerard or like Harar. Arar, hmm. it's a, starts with a J. Okay. Yeah, I don't know this guy, uh, so I'll just take a wild guess. I'm going to say he is a Oakland A, and he is also a relief pitcher. <laughs> he is an outfielder for the Miami Marlins. Oh, man. Yeah, never heard of him. Sorry, Harar. Buddy Kennedy. Buddy Kennedy. That, oh, I feel like I know him, but I don't. Um, I'm going to say he is a Los Angeles angel, and he's a utility f- infielder. Well, he is a second baseman for the Arizona Diamondbacks. So I'll give you one point there because he probably, you know, he's probably sitting in the utility spot to some degree. Yeah, it's only like 1,200 miles off or something like that. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. maybe less than that, like 800. All right, here's the last one for you, Hambone. Jimmy Erget or Herget. Jimmy Erget. Erget huh. or Herget. Herget or, or Jorge. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you don't know how to pronounce his name doesn't really help me out. Um, I think he is. I actually know who this guy is. Oh, you do. I just don't know. I just don't know how to okay. say it. I'm gonna say that he is uh, <laughs> backup catcher for the Phillies. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know this guy. No, he is a reliever for the Los Angeles Angels ah, of damn. Anaheim. Okay, and he because I'm a fantasy baseball you know nerd. He has. He's he's played a little bit of a role in their back end situation. He's been a bit of a vulture watch for saves at times. So God, I, I, I love fantasy baseball. <laughs> <laughs> so Ben, uh, let's see. There was uh, I did okay out of, out of a to, out of a potential twenty points. Yeah, you got ten. Ah, okay. No, that sucks. I need to study baseball so, reference more. I think you've been eaten by the card shark. I'm Duh. so sorry. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I wish I would have known what we were originally going to play before we are interrupted by the card shark. I, oh, man, it's actually really frustrating. I wish we had more time. Yeah, I put a lot yeah. of time and a lot of effort into a different game. Yeah. And then the card shark showed up next week. Yep. Yep. Well, speaking of next week, that's when we'll be back with another episode of Talking About Birds. Hopefully uh, some more positives to talk about. But, uh, you know, teach the controversy. That's what we feel here at uh, at Talking About Birds. So thank you all for listening. As always, uh, we appreciate your time. Tell your friends, tell your moms, tell your dads, tell your dogs. Uh, podcasts spread mostly through word of mouth. And we appreciate every time yeah. our names are in your mouth. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I, oh, 
uh, I guess with that, I, I broke myself with that one. Um, check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash talking about birds. And until next week, go Cardinals. Andrew Kisner is never the answer. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.